Keon Johnson trying to drive the goal. Best right front for Pedersen. He scores! Elias Pedersen completes the comeback for the Canucks. It's his second of the game, 27th of the season. Vancouver trailed 4-1 after 40 minutes. But they're headed to the All-Star break on an 11-game point streak. They beat the Blue Jackets 5-4. The winning goal from Elias Pedersen. 8.02 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Woo! I'm fired up now. What an awesome way to head off on a vacation. Whether it be Cabo or Toronto, I guess. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford & Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we are in Hour 3 of the program. Randy Janda is going to join us in just a moment here to kick off Hour 3. Hour 3 Brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. There we go. To the phone lines we go. Randy Janda joins us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Randy. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you doing? How are you enjoying your, uh, your bye week, I guess? Yeah, we're uh, we're being accused of manufacturing stories in the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. I just saw that. But aside from that, we're doing well. We're still basking in the excitement and right. glow of uh, of Saturday's game. Uh, I guess oh, that we was... got we got to read the text now for Randy. We'll, sure, we'll, we'll yeah. get Randy's thoughts on this. Jason, let's be honest. Okay, so you know it's serious. Pedersen's contract isn't a true Canucks storyline. It's a manufactured one. But I get it. You have a show to fill, and with no NHL games, you have to talk about something. So the future of one of the best Canucks is not a storyline. Randeep, agree or disagree? I do not agree with that. Come on now, guys. It, first of all, it's until a contract is signed, it's always a storyline. Even if there was a contract, it'd be a storyline. That's just the way that uh, the world works. So Was it Jason? Jason, uh, I'm sorry, Jason. I don't agree with you. It is a storyline. No, the, the, he was saying Jason to me. Let's oh, he's okay. This sorry. is unsigned. He didn't. Sorry. He didn't sign it. Oh, I mean, unsigned. All right. Listen, my I, apologies, Jason. I, I I think uh, in the texture's defense, what a lot of people are saying is, listen, Pedersen has said he doesn't want to talk contract, so stop talking about it. And my pushback has always been, okay, fair enough. But if he gets to the off season and he becomes RFA officially. Then he starts talking to other teams. Matthew Kachuk explained how it went with him. He was like, yeah, I was just kind of uncertain. And then I got to my RFA status. And as per my rights, I was able to talk to some other teams. And they laid out their plans for me. And I kind of liked Florida's. And then he forced his way to Florida. So I don't think the Canucks wanted to get to that point. Do you, Randeep? I'm of the opinion of two minds here, right? First of all, in the moment, enjoying the season, I'm very much with the texture in terms of not that it's not a storyline. It's just for your own mental health. You might not want to think about that. But Jason, to your point, is it a situation that Canucks want to be in? Of course not. When your star player is in a situation where they can consider other options, um, yeah, no team wants to be in that. You want to be the the only option for any player, uh, your star player. So um, for my mental health, and I would suggest for Vancouver Canucks fans, I would enjoy the moment. But of course, it's in the back of your mind. It's got to be. It's you know, you know, 
preserving an asset, preserving a player that is really important to you. And, you know, the Matthew Kachuk example is a good one. I think the Mark Stone one is another one that you started looking at in Ottawa way back when mm-hmm. to say, hey, you know, is that a situation you want to avoid? Of course you do. So it is a talking point because um, if you look down the road, that's always there. But the way that this season has played out, there's just so much more to kind of, I think, focus on right now that, yeah, it's in the back of mind for me. But it's always on the mind until a deal gets done. No question about that. Well, we sure, we probably shouldn't let the local hockey team control our mental health either. It's, That's know, true if, well. if, if you're going into, like, mental health problems yeah. because you're how's, thinking how's, about the Elias Pettersson contract, then, you know, come on. Get, get your act together. For the past 50 years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, let's focus on a positive Elias Pettersson moment. That was the overtime winner against Columbus on Saturday. So tell me this, Randy. The Canucks are down 4-1 going into the third period. What are you and Batch saying in your private moments to one another? Did you foresee a comeback on the horizon? Or are you thinking that this might be just one of those nights where everyone just wants to get out of there, get on vacation, and start enjoying the break? So I was working hockey night in Canada up in Dubby this weekend. So this week, uh, I'm during that game in the second period when that's going on. Uh, to me, it was, no, they're going to find a way to get back in this game. It's the Columbus Blue Jackets, first of all. And second of all, like the JT Miller quote from Game Day Skate told me a lot of, we can't go into Cabo, or we can't, sorry, go into the All-Star break um, with a bad taste in our mouth. So in the, you know, thinking about that game, watching that game play out, when it's 4-1, when Marchenko scores on that deflection on a power play, you're saying, uh-oh, that's not, that's not a great situation, but it's still the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is a team that, outside of maybe Chicago, has had the most disastrous season in the NHL. And if the Canucks wake up here in the third period, early on, you're going to get a chance. So even though, even though they looked pretty bad there in that second period, that Jake Bean goal where JT Miller gives the puck away and just carve up the Canucks through the middle of the ice. Um, it didn't look great, but with the Blue Jackets, if everything worked out fine, I, I'm not going to lie. Part of me was like, is this a comeback that, that needs to be made just based on the fact that it's the Columbus Blue Jackets? And I didn't expect that to happen, though. I'm not going to lie. I thought, you know, Brock Besser and that performance, uh, of course, the power plays and the, everything the way that, that played out, the shorthanded five-minute stretch near the end of regulation, um, didn't predict it would go that way, but with the Columbus Blue Jackets as the opposition, guys, it's it's always an option just how bad they've been this year. And credit to the Canucks. They did what they had to do to get back in that game and take a DOT. Yeah, I, j- I joked earlier that the Canucks are in such a fortuitous position now that they're going to try and put themselves in unique situations to try and get different kinds of victories. Like, for example, spotting Columbus a three-goal lead going in to the third period. But, I mean, that's two games in a row now where I think House of Negativity would say, like, the Canucks didn't play well and had to have these furious comebacks. House of Positivity will say, like, that is the sign of a resilient team that isn't just going to say, okay, our fate is decided. They're going to fight back. And the important thing is they've got the offensive firepower power and the sort of frenetic ability to get after it in a really short period of time to make up multi-goal deficits in a really quick strike way. Well, that's quite a change in mentality too, right? Because the last two years have been the opposite of that. All the talent in the world, but what happens where you you don't have a, um, it all kind of pulling in the same direction in previous years. You also didn't have the defensive structure Uh, in this game. You give up four goals. You're kind of lacking that. Yeah. You take some penalties. Um, you give up a power play goal, of course, uh, so it doesn't help you early on in the game. But you're right, that firepower. You know, when we're talking about Brock Besser scoring three goals, he's got what on five shots, picks up four games. You've, uh, sorry, four um, four points. You've got J.T. Miller 
uh, leading the league in primary assists. You've got Quinn Hughes having a three-point game. Elias Pettersson, it's all kind of pulling in the same direction this year. And that's something that, even though the Canucks have had skill in previous years, uh, what I like about this group is, and I'm going to say the leadership group because, you know, we know Quinn Hughes is a part of it. We know Elise Pedersen, JT Miller, all these guys, when they need to deliver, you know, they've been able to do that, whether it's game-breaking ability. A lot of that comes from Quinn Hughes, uh, his dynamic play. But in a game where Brock Besser, a couple of his goals are not the prettiest goals, it doesn't matter. It's by any means necessary. And that's what's different about this team this year is that that game – Prior to the All-Star break, you know, heading into that, and I'm sure halfway through the game, second period, people are saying, what's going on here? This is not the way to go to the All-Star break. Guys, they come back in this game. They're 9-0-2 heading into the break. They're 4-0-1 on the five-game homestand. And if you ask the team, sure, Columbus and St. Louis were not their best games, but they're absolutely just picking up points um, and having this point streak and looking, you know, like they could play better, which tells you the standard within that room now. And that, I think, goes to leadership group, that credit, but also Rick Tockett, where the bar has been raised so high that picking up points is simply not it. It's about you do it a certain way. So they get the job done against Columbus boys, but I think you're going to have a motivated group coming back from the break just to say, hey, yeah, those final two games, they weren't our best. We can do better than that. Randeep is the number one job heading into the trade deadline for Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford. Is the number one job to find a better running mate or maybe running mates, plural, for Elias Pettersson? I think so. I think what we've seen with the Pew Suter experiment is that he's such a versatile player that he can move around and he can play alongside JT Miller and Brock Besser and and give you, you know, a little something on the power play too, which is something that maybe uh, we didn't necessarily think was going to be permanent. And it still may not be, depending on who you pick up for that Pedersen line. But I think with Mikheyev, Ilya Mikheyev is not going to be your secondary option on a line. He's going to be your four checker, and Rick Tockett wants to see more from him, right? And more often than not, what you have on that line is um, – Mikheyev is going to get his chances occasionally. Sometimes he'll create them himself in the neutral zone. But he's, he's a guy that is the, the third option on a line. Kuzmenko, we know where his game's at right now. Uh, 11 minutes against Columbus. This is a guy that has obviously struggled. He had a good game against Chicago. But, you know, against Chicago, a pairing against uh, Isaac Phillips and Louis Crevier, it wasn't exactly, you know, you were playing against two defensemen that he was matched up against uh, that are from essentially the AHL. And... He was confident. He was buzzing. He was all over the place. Outside of that, um, we haven't necessarily seen him take over games. So for me, yeah, that has to be the priority where you're saying, who is that secondary player that can help Elias Pettersson, you know, play that style of game where right now just smart um, along the walls, smart in getting pucks deep, uh, a complimentary scorer, of course, gives PD an option. Um, and Mikheyev, to his credit, like I, I know – Tockett mentioned that he's got to be better, and of course he does, right? Like, you see a lot of nights, McKayev's got a lot of zeros, not many shots on goal, uh, the hits are low. Uh, he's got to be their four-checker. If you simplify his role a little bit more to be like, hey, what we need you to do is we need you to be aggressive on the four-check turnover pucks in the neutral zone. If you give him that one duty or that one area to focus on, I think he's a better player. We've seen that in the past. Um, but, yeah, there is a bit of a spot that's missing next to Elias Pedersen on that wing, and you need some hard skill, in my opinion, to play alongside him. You need some skill, um, but that is the biggest need, I would say, because Pew Suter, for the time being, 
has made that Miller-Besser line look really, really good, and he just has the right amount of skill. He's a smart player that can help him out defensively as well. So I'm going to ask you a question once again from the Dunbar Lumber text line, and all it says is, hear me out. Petey with Garland and Joshua, would you rob Teddy to pay Petey? Okay, nice, nicely put. Um, I'd give it an experiment at some point if you need it. I don't think you're there. This is a team that's picked up 11 points in, sorry, uh, points in, on, in 11 games, 11 a row. Uh, I don't necessarily think you're there. I like what that Joshua line does. I love the way that they're able to take over games. Guys, we focus on the third period of that Columbus game. The first period was dominated by that line. And the ability to have a third line that gives you problematic matchups from an opposition's perspective is going to be valuable in the playoffs. So for a maybe a bit part role, if you're looking for a spark, for instance, if you're trying to get uh, Elias Pettersson, drag him into the fight, so to speak, and maybe he's not going so much, uh, would I experiment with it? Absolutely. Do I think that has staying power? Not necessarily, because I, you do need some top six skill next to Pedersen. But as an experiment within the game, just to, you know, if, if maybe Pedersen's not, you know, to talk it's um, what he mentioned last week about maybe he's not skating or he's not moving his legs so much. If you're trying to wake him up a little bit, I don't mind that. But I don't think that's a permanent thing you can move to. Uh, we're speaking to Canucks radio analyst Randy Janda here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Randy, we're now about 36 hours removed from the game on Saturday. Do you have any more clarity, uh, any more logic, any more reasoning as to what went into the decision with the Ian Cole, oh, you got a major no, you don't. Now, Tyler Myers, you have one decision uh, on the weekend. Yeah, no, I have no idea what happened there. It's, it's one of the weirdest <laughs> calls ever. And um, I've never, you know, the, the the setting the precedent of, reversing a call and essentially saying, Hey, yeah, not you. Sorry. The guy that was next to you, we're tossing him from an elbow. Um, I, I'm on, you know, I have two opinions on this, right? Okay. Like you make the call. It's a very quick game. I get it. Uh, but the explanation that Elliot Friedman got was just the, just get the call. Right. <laughs> um, I like the, I like the mentality behind that, but the execution boys, uh, it's, it's a little, it's a little strange to me. So, you know, it is one of the weird ones where the Canucks look like they're going to lose Ian Cole for a little bit, and then Tyler Myers ends up getting tossed. But the precedent that it sets of, like, mm-hmm. get this call yeah. right uh, by any means necessary. Like, if, imagine if that call was made in the playoffs. Where, well, you, I can't. That's what I, I mean. I, like, yeah. I don't mean to interrupt you here, but yeah, I feel yeah. like this is a bigger deal because the Pandora's box has been open now. Yeah, I think they need to clarify sure. that. Because they just look... I think there needs to be some clarification. Do I expect it to happen? No, but I think it should be. But you know what happened? Totally. You know what happened on the weekend was they reviewed a sequence of the game. They didn't yep. review uh, an incident. Mm-hmm. They reviewed a sequence. And that's a big difference because all of a sudden it's like, well, where are the parameters for review? Can you take a two-minute chunk and say, well, let's just go look and see what we missed? Because that's essentially... Be like, God, we missed a lot. Yeah, we're not good at this at all. <laughs> but I, I don't know where the... like, I don't know where the bar is now because it seems like it's been either raised or lowered, but uh, it's not what it used to be. The call itself is... Yeah, it's bizarre, it's controversial, it's setting a new precedent. But, guys, I think the bigger issue here is another thing, and what you guys explained, the explanation. Um, This league doesn't do a great job of explaining those decisions, and I'm sure it's to protect the referees that, of course, they have a very difficult job. This is an extremely fast game. It's, It's one that you have to make a judgment call, and you hope it's the best one. But the reality is other leagues do 
do this better, right? If there's a call on the ice, if there's a call on the play, uh, they do explain it. So that explanation is, is really important because is this scenario going to play out another time? Or is this simply a one-off? But you're right, it's opening Pandora's box. But now is this an option for referees to say, hey, or the league to say, hey, just get the call right. We can back it up. We can change things around. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I was you know, watching that game like everybody else. You see the delay. You see it, Ian Cole sitting there, and he's kind of baffled looking at, uh, at the play um, and the way this happens play out as well. And in the end, Tyler Myers gets a fine, so his you know, trip to Cabo is a little bit more expensive than everybody else. <laughs> but the point is, it doesn't set a good precedent because now we're going to be asking these questions next time another, another play happens across the league. And, yeah, does it lead to anything? Because, to me, it's, it's about the lack of explanation where, as a league, I just think you've got to do a better job of communicating what happened in your games, and the NHL is not quite there. Uh, Randy, correct me if I'm wrong, you are headed to Toronto for the all-star festivities if if you're not already there you are yeah i'm heading out on wednesday so i'll okay. be there uh, i don't know what the temperature is looking like but boys it's not going to be like florida last year so uh Toronto, <laughs> it'll be uh, a little different the center of the hockey universe i'm looking forward to it we're going to be uh, doing some stuff for hockey night in canada up in Jabby. got some interviews lined up you know to chat with some canucks as well while i'm there but it'll be uh, a pretty action-packed week Seems like the league's got a lot going on. Oh, yeah. And I, for one, am really excited about the skills competition because this kind of reminds me. Uh, I don't, you guys probably remember this way back in the day to have something around the Pro Bowl where it'd be like Dan Marino versus John Elway versus whatever, like the <laughs> right. most accurate passers. Yeah. Right? Remember that like, yeah, yeah. side event they'd have? Yeah. Uh, it kind of reminds me of that where it's like, all right, we can kind of see who the best of the best is rather than the Atlantic division, division versus the Pacific versus whatever, right? So. I'm looking forward to that skills competition. Yeah, no, the skills competition I think has promise just because it's simplified with fewer players. Sometimes I felt like there's too many guys on the ice. And when you have a lot of guys on the ice, sometimes it doesn't go quickly. Like it drags. And that's the last thing a skills competition should do is drag. So um, besides the skills competition, are you looking forward to the the player draft? are, Are you familiar with all the rules? Because I think those are the, these are the things that I'm still not quite there on. I think I'm there. Um, so the way that this is going to play out, like Thursday is going to be jam-packed in Toronto. So they're going to have the media day right before the draft. So guys are going to be doing interviews. Uh, they go straight into the draft. And, and I, I love the idea of the draft. The one thing that always makes me uneasy with the NHL is like the player-slash-celebrity interaction. Uh, how many awkward moments are we going to have? I'm hoping not mm. very many, but you know, when you've got Michael Bublé is one of my favorite people. I think he'll add some uh, personality character. He's a huge hockey guy, but there's going to be awkward moments there with the celebrities, whether it's Justin Bieber, Tate McRae, uh, whoever. Right. So uh, I just, I hope the cringe moments are low, but outside of that, I, I'm, I'm kind of optimistic for once guys like this is, I don't know about the game to me. The game itself is actually, uh, the moment that I look forward to the least because <laughs> Me too. you don't really care at that point. It's yeah, the drama cares? that leads up to you know, whether it's the draft or the skills competition. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I think I got all the rules set. Um, and it's also going to be a crazy weekend in Toronto because, you know, to have this sort of event, having the marquee players, you've got five Canucks, uh, six total with Rick Tockett. It's going to be the Vancouver Canucks taking over Toronto uh, alongside, of course, Austin Matthews and Coast. So, It'll be a unique West Coast flavor, which I'm sure will go over well with Leafs fans out there. But it, it should be fun because there's a lot of alumni events. There's a lot of folks that are flying out for it. So um, definitely, definitely looking forward to that and having that 
up for Hockey Night in Canada up in Punjabi this coming weekend and throughout the week on our social media channels. Okay, Randy, one, thank you very much for doing this today. As always, we appreciate it. And two, uh, we were hoping that we could catch up with you later this week when you get to Toronto. Are you good for that? I'm good for that. Just uh, shoot me a text and you guys know where to find me. We'll chat. Beautiful. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Cheers, boys. That's uh, Randy Janda, Canucks uh, analyst and radio man here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We're going to turn it over to the humanoids in a bit here and do what we learn. But I'm going to jump the queue. I'm going to do one. I literally just learned this because it came across my ex, formerly known as Twitter, timeline. Now, we talked last week about the return of Cody Hodgson to professional hockey, right? Mm-hmm. Cody Hodgson was on the sidelines for quite a long time, dealing with some health and injury issues, and he's making a comeback with uh, Nashville's AHL affiliate in Milwaukee. Well, a guy that is always linked to Cody Hodgson is Zach Cassian. Zach Cassian and Cody Hodgson, of course, rather infamously traded for one another, uh, Canucks and Sabres back in the day. Well, here's an interesting one as it pertains to Cody Hodgson's comeback. Zach Cassian retired last year is now making a comeback of his own. Frank Cervelli posted this. Uh, it's actually from uh, Sparta Praha's official ex-account in Czechia. Zach Cassian is signed with the team, and he's making a return to professional hockey as well. That's a pretty interesting story. Cassian, 33, as I mentioned, uh, announced his retirement from the National Hockey League uh, not too long ago, but I guess the itch is still there and looking for a scratch. He's headed overseas to resume his professional career, which is pretty cool. I have a question. Yes. How many former Canucks are now stars in the KHL? Well, I'm just looking at the leading scorers mm-hmm. right now. Um, Reed Boucher, number two. Do the Canucks still claim him? No. I don't know. Uh, no, we've well, uh, no. disassociated ourselves from all these guys, I think. Who's the guy that, did he get Russian citizenship? Reed no, Boucher? that was no, Leipzig. Not, Leipzig? Okay, yeah. right. So Another he's, he's stellar there. individual. Goldie is killing it in the KHL. He's got 66 points in 56 games. Yep. Um, Ryan Spooner? Remember him. Yeah. Was Jordan Wheel ever a Canuck? I don't think he was. That's a good question. I do no. not believe no. he was. He was but, a king. Yes. Right. Flyer? Um, At any rate, a lot of former Canucks ripping it up. Jordan Wheel is from Vancouver. I think that's maybe where he's. That's maybe where I got. He's a North Van guy. Confused. Yeah. Yeah. Spent time with the Kings, Flyers, Coyotes, and Habs, and is now just crushing it in the KHL. Okay. Uh, Moo Cow. Administrative nonsense. I actually do have what we learned, too. Yeah, we'll do them on the other side because we're right up against it for time. A reminder. To the humanoids, if you would like to be on the radio on this show, the Halford and Bruff Show on Sports 650, get what we learned in, hashtag it WWL, tell us what you learned over the last 72 hours in sports, make it good, Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Big Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.31 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. 
We are in Hour 3 of the program. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Okay, uh, we've got a laddie, what we learned. I love laddie, what we learned. I conjured one up. You conjured the conjuring. Uh, And then we will get to the humanoids because A-Dog and uh, J-Bruff are going to take a pass today. So, Laddie, without further ado, can you tell the listeners what you've learned? I've learned that the Vancouver Giants are the new comeback kids, and they've taken the title away from the team that they played this weekend, the Victoria Royals, who this season have been known for their comebacks late in games. Well, Giants were at home, down 3 nothing to the Royals, came back to win 5-3, to three, wow. five unanswered goals, and then they were down in Victoria, came all the way back to win 7-6, in overtime, it was 6-3 at one point. Two three-goal comebacks. Two three-goal comebacks. They won it in overtime. They lost the last one in overtime. They had a three-game set against the Royals. They lost the last one in OT. But hmm. very close to taking all three and two major comebacks, which is something that we haven't seen a lot from this Giants team this year. But they've refreshed the roster since the deadline. and They saw the, they saw the Canucks do it on Saturday. They thought, we can do yeah. this as well. The Giants are the new comeback kids. Moo cow. All right, let's fire up the Dom Matrix. Print out some humanoid submissions for what we learn. What we learned, as always, brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them online at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! Uh, Chayton and Surrey, what we learned. Maidstone United from the 6th Division of English Football beat Ipswich to advance to the fifth round of the FA Cup, yep. becoming the lowest seed since 1978 to do so. They PDO'd their way to a 2-1 win while being outshot 38-2. to The FA Cup is the best. Yeah, I, wa- I watched. You watched? I watched. It was, pre- it was pretty entertaining. Well, so- Manchester United nearly lost uh, a big one over the weekend, too. They, they had to come back against my favorite team, Newport County. Yeah, not the cigarettes. Newport County. Not smoking on a Newport. Sorry, uh, they didn't have to come back. They had a 2 nothing lead, but then Newport County yeah. playing in Newport. Their home fans are thousands of them there. That's in Wales, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, tied it, and then uh, United had to win it late. So for those that have no idea what we're talking about, like this, oh, I know what all these words mean individually, but collectively it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, Ipswich is on the verge of going to the Premier League, the highest league in the land, right? Ipswich? Ipswich. 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 Former club. It's in Suffolk, I believe. Yes. Former club. An Ipswich sandwich. Please stop talking. Former club of Canadian international, Canadian legend Craig Forrest. Ipswich. Ipswich. Okay. Uh, And then the team that they lost to plays so far down the ladder that it's not even a professional league. It's a semi-pro league, a a non-professional league known as the, the National League South. Right. Okay. Right. So, uh, this is the, where you the NL South. This is where you play teams like <laughs> D- Dartford, Slufftown, Slufftown. <laughs> it's probably I thought they closed S- that place down. It's <laughs> got to be played called Slew Town, Slu- isn't it? Slutin. Yeah. Slutin. <laughs> Better known as Slutin. 
Oh, you got to get over to Slufftown. 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 Ah, Slufftown. Yeovaltown, Truro City. It's all these funny names that you laugh at when you think of England, but they're real places. Anyway. They it, got a good draw, too, because they don't even have to play a Premier League team. Maidstone Slough United. Town? No, Maidstone. <laughs> they're out of it. Maidstone uh, United will play either Sheffield Wednesday. Uh-huh. On a Thursday. Or Coventry City. On and a Friday. Wrexham has uh, a big game today. They're in the fourth division, and they can advance, too, uh, against Blackburn. Did you, I, I don't know if you saw the— Have vi- Slufftown and Ipswich ever played? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you saw the video from the weekend, but uh, I think the supporter was okay, so I can bring it up, but there was a Maidstone supporter that got so uh, over-exuberant that he fell from the second terrace to the first <laughs> whilst, <laughs> while celebrating a goal. So he upgraded his seats, at least. Yeah, yeah he's like, can I sit here now? Is it later in the yeah, game? He, he probably didn't feel it. You have earned those seats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was a fun FA Cup weekend. A lot of, a lot of um, watching. A yeah. couple of guys have texted in on this one. Uh, Dayman from the, uh, from the Rock. Uh, what we learned, I learned this morning, that Tyrrell Hatton has reportedly signed with Live Golf. Not sure how, how I feel about this one. Hatton and his unapologetic craziness is quite entertaining, a real embodiment of the amateur psyche. He won't necessarily move the needle, but you have to wonder if an official merger is closed. Prani on so, the shore also texted in so and how, said so he's just off, getting tired of this. How do you pronounce his name? Because it's T-Y-R-R-E-L. I thought it was Tyrell. Tyrell Hatton. Tyrell Hatton. Okay. Tyrell Hatton. He's, a, he's an Englishman who loves to swear. Yeah, I'm familiar with Who's his work. Who's on the Ryder Cup team. Yeah, I'm familiar with his work. Yeah, he's yeah. funny. He's very entertaining. Yeah, he yeah. kind of has some spazzes on, hey, on the course. He doesn't really take himself too seriously, but he's also like really got a hair-trigger temper, mm-hmm. and he likes to, but he, he's very enthusiastic about swearing. Well, Prani on the Shore texts in with kind of a different take from Dayman from The Rock, who wonders, as I do, if an official merger is close. Prani on the shore, what we learned, I learned that Tyrrell Hatton has gone to live golf. Mm. I've also learned that the live versus PGA tour has me considering not watching golf anymore. I honestly don't even know what's happening anymore and have less and less interest in learning about it every day. Not tuning into the CW to watch golf. Fans always lose. Yeah, it's unfortunate too because, um, you know, some big non-major tournaments are coming up. It's Pebble Beach. This weekend, and it's the Waste Management Open in Phoenix the following weekend, which is always Super Bowl weekend. Um, you know, it was just at Torrey Pines, and it was a pretty good tournament. Um, but if fans like Prawny on the shore are, are losing interest because this is becoming a, um, I don't know, a distraction or the PGA Tour is losing too many talented golfers, mm-hmm. then... You know, it's not good, and there needs to be some sort of resolution at some point because it can't just keep going on like this. I have a feeling that a lot of these guys are just like, I'm getting my money while I can, and I think there's going to be a a resolution to this, so I'm going to get my money up front. I'm going to get my Saudi money wired to my bank account, and it's there then, right? And I don't have to deal with it. Basketball Phil with what we learned. Hashtag WWO what we learned. Luka Doncic dropped 73 points on Atlanta on Friday, tying for fourth most in league history. That's important to note because previously that week, Joel Embiid went for 70. Now get the hot take horn ready because basketball Phil's got a beauty here. The way guys shoot the three now, I wouldn't be shocked if someone dropped 100 in a game in the not too distant future. I don't think that's a hot take. I was thinking that too. 100 points, 100 points is a hot take, Greg. 
100 points. Guys are getting 70 with some regularity now. They are. That's still 30 away from 100. 30 is a good game. Yeah. (laughs) Let's not. Now, here's the thing. All it takes is like a Detroit Pistons no show performance and a guy going off. Pistons won last night. Yeah. (laughs) Sixth win of the year, baby. Can you imagine? Sorry, Pistons. Can, Can you imagine, though, if a guy even gets into the 80s with like 10 minutes left in the game? Like. Uh, we are going to the uh, rare five-on-one defense. <laughs> We're not letting this happen. Yeah. Not on my watch. You. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard uh, Jalen Rose talk about when Kobe dropped 81 on the Raptors? Like, it still haunts him to this day. He's mm-hmm. like, it was not a good thing for my but personal sake. Teams are scoring 140 right? these okay, days. Okay, so I'm glad you brought this up because the, the interesting one might not be Luka and Joel Embiid going for 70 because they won. Devin Booker that same night went for 62 and they lost. They yeah. blew a 17-point lead against Indiana. So my thinking here is these outrageously high individual totals where they need more points to win the games, that's where we could see them start flirting with like, oh, he's getting to 80 because they, they need the points. Do you like it? Do you like the high-scoring NBA? Um, I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. When I saw what Luka was doing on Friday, I, I had a soccer game that night. And I, I was actually running late because I wanted to see right. what was going to go on. It is kind of must-watch TV when it's happening. Right. You know that it's kind of artificially inflated with bad defenses and just an insane amount of shooting threes, but who cares? Like again, How much is it bad defense versus these guys are way better shooters now and they're shooting It's threes. the volume of allowable threes, right? Because mm-hmm. the idea is like, well, the threes aren't falling. Well, what's the solution? shoot more threes. Right. They'll go down eventually, yeah. right? And then some nights you get like a five for 36 performance. Like, I don't gross. really find it compelling, though, all the long shots. Like I, it, Yeah, I get it. You know? I, I get what you're saying. I don't disagree with like a lot there of There was it. such a game within a game yeah. when you'd have these down-low battles. Mm-hmm. It was so physical. It feels and, artificially increased. There's yeah. a little bit of that. But at the same time, you've got to respect how... Like, when I, you, you have watch, to respect the ability. I mean, when I watch... Embiid 70 was... Shoot, it's incredible. Embiid 70 was remarkable. Luka wasn't just bombing. I mean, he was bombing a lot of threes, but he was going to the rack, drawing mm-hmm. Like He's sure. scoring in a multitude of fashions. The rules have allowed guys to be... Um, a lot more free, as I would say, offensively, where they can kind of do a lot of different things. But I'll, I'll be curious to see if uh, basketball Phil's hot take comes to fruition this season. Uh, David from Surrey, what we learned, I learned that turning off the game at 4-1 was a premature defeatist mentality. Yes, Columbus is a bad team, but well done by the boys to wake up and get it done You know, we had a few going into the break. We had a few of these. Uh, I turned the game off at 4-1, Tex. One of them was from a guy in Toronto, uh, Ontario, so I get that. Yeah, it's late at night. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I was trying to shoehorn in a narrative as I am wont to do when I was talking to Randeep because someone was like, well, this is someone to point out, this isn't going to happen in the playoffs. And I'm like, yes, because they won't play a horrible team like Columbus in the playoffs. But, um, we are well past the days of teams locking it down in the playoffs because, I remember last season, especially, everyone was bringing up the the Sportsnet stats, was bringing it up every night. Like the increase in comebacks, multi goal comebacks where teams were down 2 0 or 3 0, and being able to claw their way back into it in the playoffs where it was like, oh man, we're down 1 0. Well, let's move on to game four. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember those days? Yeah. They were terrible. It was terrible. It doesn't really exist anymore. So for the Canucks to have this and the way that they do it, which that was it, I mean, that's two games in a row where you felt the wave of just relentless pressure coming, right? And it was like... DT was saying, I think it might have been early in the Columbus game where the Canucks were dominating, or could have been one of the other games. He used the phrase how the Canucks come at you in waves. Yep. 
And I was like, oh, how nice is it to hear the Canucks described like that? Because we haven't seen the Canucks with a bottom six like this in a long, long time. It is nice, And and that was always the the phrase that I associated with Vegas. Ever since they've been in the league, when they're on... They come at you in waves. When you like have it's just one line after the other, and you're like, "Are any? Do any of these guys suck?" When they have, <laughs> where's your bad line? When they have a couple of good shifts in a row, and then Hoaglander comes over the boards, it's great, right? Because you're yeah, like, yeah. "Here comes the pepper pot, and it's already hot. Like it's great." Oh, more the more for me, like the Garland line. That one too. That, that, Take that, your pick. That right? line rarely has a game where. You look at the stats afterwards, and they've been outpossessed. It is very rare. Steve-O and Kitts, what we learned, as pop culture personalities, I don't mind Travis Kelsey or Taylor Swift individually. Mm-hmm. However, as a couple, they are insufferable. So, you just hate love. He just hates love. So I don't know if I'm more dreading all the attention that the Taylor Swift story is going to bring to this Super Bowl, which happens to be in Vegas, or I'm dreading all the people complaining about all the attention. Like, in my mind, you should probably just get comfortable with all the attention that's going to be drawn and just be like, okay, we see Taylor Swift on the screen now. I'm going to let my mind go blank. <laughs> I'm not going to think about this. And then I'm going to go back to the game. Am I in the mind? It, it, it is not bothering bother me. You. It's angering it all the right people in my eyes. Like anyone who's pissed off about this, no, they're already. Okay, but you got to. It's not the anger thing. It's it. It's provided a lot of people to go in a lot of different directions because it transcends football. Well, she's, she's made the NFL $330 million since they started dating. So, like, uh, how, did, how did you, uh, how did you come up with that? Who's crunching numbers the whole show? That was an article on, on, <laughs> Twi- on, on X. That was on X, so it must be, must what, be accurate. But, but how did they come up with the, you just know. read the headline, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, it's a very arbitrary right, number. That's, that's, uh, Here's, very A-dog. here's Todd has bad takes. One of my favorite handles in the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. Text in, by the way, 650-650. Todd has bad takes. Hashtag WWL, what we learned. 10 days without hockey in the middle of the winter? Okay, sure. Yep, okay. It's only 10 days. I can do this. Uh, yeah, I know. I'll organize the storage room, fold the laundry, meal plan, make some soup, talk to my kids. Who am I kidding? This is going to suck. Yeah, we were dreading this week. At the Halford and Ruff Show on Sportsnet 650 because it also runs up against that really elongated break between the AFC and NFC Championship mm-hmm. and the Super Bowl. I hope you're ready for an in-depth preview of Pebble Beach. Did oh, you- by, by the way, Bruff, <laughs> it's Front Office Sports, which is a premier sports business platform. Ooh. They did the article, so it reads, the specifics of it read, Taylor Swift has generated an equivalent brand value of $331.5 million for the Chiefs and the NFL. Apex Marketing Group tells FOS. Oh, figure, that's a, oh, brand figure, value. I mean, that's, the figure includes print, digital, radio, hard TV, money highlights, sure. and social media going back to Swift's first game in September. Mm-hmm. So it's all of the media combined into how they got their numbers. So do you think the accountants can use that number? I was like... <laughs> It's a lot it's, of money. It's just an estimate, man. I know. It's an estimate. It's a formula. It's like those yeah. those uh, organizations that put together franchise values, and they're mostly way My off. My point is it's a conspiracy. The NFL wants the oh, Chiefs to okay. win the Super Bowl. <laughs> We're through the looking glass. <laughs> Again. Uh, Juan from Comox. Otherwise, they would have called that hold. It's true. What we learned from Juan, 50,000 tickets have been sold for Whitecaps versus Miami. Could potentially sell out BC Place. That's very impressive. Mm. Let's hope Messi decides to play. Um, Yeah, someone else texted in and said, hopefully it's not another Bedard situation. 
Yeah, can you imagine like a sold out BC place for a non messy Inter Miami? Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's a long way away. And a lot of things can happen between now and then. But there must be some sort of agreement that he made with MLS that's that he was like, listen, I'll, I'll, I know he said he's comfortable playing on turf, that that's not an issue. But when he came over to MLS, there must have been some sort of agreement that was struck that he would play these road matches. Because- I think he would play some road matches. I don't think he's going to play all the road matches. I don't mean to be this guy. But no, no, no. I'm, but don't you think I MLS no, just would for, almost honestly like send out some sort of warning or like, hey, he might not play these? I think it's pretty but, crazy because the Whitecaps are clearly marketing this game. Like this is the is. messy game. But all the MLS teams are. They well, get, exactly. They get which, Miami which, to go. Which makes me wonder if there's been some sort of like, you know. All I'm unofficial saying, deal with Messi was like, dude, dude you got to play these games. Like, you can't show up and not play. You can't just be like, I'm on the sideline so you can watch me wave to you. All I'm saying is that uh, Miami has a stretch where they go uh, three games in 10 days. They have, I think it's in Orlando, which isn't that big of a deal. Then they play in Miami. Then they got to go to Vancouver. And that's from the 15th to the 25th of May. And look, aside from that, injuries do happen. In sports, right? I mean, we're mm-hmm. all aware of this. Yeah. And it's not like Lionel Messi is a young man. Yeah. Right? Uh, he's in his mid-late 30s, depending on how you feel about your 30s. So it's more of just an inherent risk of putting that much capital into anything. Yeah. Right? I mean, the Bedard is the perfect example. Everyone assumed Connor Bedard was going to be here mm-hmm. for the Blackhawks game, and instead you got Jason Dickinson leading the charge, right? That's, you got a very exciting 2 nothing win that is where the, all the action occurred in the first five minutes. Exactly. That is the that is the luck, or I suppose non-luck, unlock of the draw. Would you be satisfied as a ticket holder if you went to the Whitecaps game and Messi came off the bench in like the 70th minute? Because hmm, then you'd that. say, like, yeah, I've seen him play. Yeah, I mean, right? I think so. I'd be disappointed, but disappointed, it, it would but. probably be better than not seeing him play at all. There's a cowardly answer from Halford, but uh, I'm just all I'm saying is um, the MLS schedule is and the way that the travel is involved and how many games that they play. It's very unlike the traditional European model. If you'll remember last season. With Miami, once Miami kind of went on that crazy run where they won the league's cup and Messi burst onto the scene, uh, Messi didn't play a lot after Mm -hmm. that. I don't know if people remember this or not, and it's because it takes its toll physically on the guy, right? I again, I I totally understand what you're saying, and it makes perfect sense. And there's probably a lot of like sound fact, fact and logic behind it that they want him to be this traveling roach, and they want him to play on the road. You hurt Tyler in Ontario's feelings, so we're going to read. He, 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 he didn't want to just be called the guy in Ontario. Sorry, guy in Ontario. What we learned from Tyler in Ontario. I learned while watching the Canucks game on Saturday that I still have some old Canucks vibes in me. As the second period came to a close, I just gave, just gave up and turned the game off and went to bed. I won't make that mistake again. And Halford will not make the mistake of dismissing you as merely some guy in Ontario. It's my buddy Ty. We call each other by our nicknames. Uh, Matt and Ladner, what we learned, the Niners are so talented that they only needed to play three quarters over two games to dispatch the <laughs> NFC also rans. This, however, will not fly against the Chiefs. Good well, text. remember text. remember the last time these two teams met, obviously a bunch of different players involved, but the Niners 
did play very well for three quarters, and then the Chiefs took over. Yep, and Jimmy missed a couple key throws. And they didn't have Christian McCaffrey. That's going to be a big, big difference. By the way, I do I like this text. I flagged it as well because um, you could very much say that the 49ers have not played anywhere close to their best football, given what we've seen previously this totally. season. Totally. They yeah, scraped, yeah. scraped by in both games. But I think that's a credit to the team um, and a credit to especially Brock Purdy. Oh, no, I'm not saying it's not, but I'm just saying like this yeah. is a team that – uh, especially defensively, like mm. I thought Detroit, especially early, Detroit exposed them a couple different ways. But remember during the regular season where we were talking about the NFC and we'd also talk about the Seahawks being in the same division as the 49ers and having a ton of issues with the 49ers. We both said we're at the point now when you look at the NFC, despite, you know, at the time the Eagles had a good record and the Cowboys looked Look, look decent, and there were a couple other teams that were playing well. We were like, yeah, the Niners are so good that we'd be surprised if they got if they didn't get to the Super Bowl. Well, they got to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right? So mission accomplished on that. Uh, Iron Blair with a, what we learned that I really disagree with, and I'm hearing it a lot, and hmm. I think it's ridiculous. What I learned, the Oilers winning streak could have an asterisk beside it. Look at the wheat weak teams they beat. Guys, they've won 16 games in a row. <laughs> yeah. And they've Who cares if they beat weak teams? The the Canucks lost their last few losses. They've lost twice to the Blues, once to Columbus. Like, Were they not paying attention to what I said earlier when I was talking to um, David Amber about this? Not only have they won 16 games in a row, they haven't allowed more than two goals in their last 14 games, and they've outscored opponents... 61 to 24. So even if you're playing the God, worst... even if they want them all in overtime, I'd be like, that's pretty impressive, 16 in a row. They're doing this in very dominant fashion. And by the way, their coach doesn't even think they're playing all that great. Like uh, Chris Knobloch, who, to my credit, I have not called Chuck Knobloch yet. <laughs> I feel like I deserve some plaudits for that. Chris Knobloch has said like, yeah, we've been fine. We, we played okay. But I mean, I think he even realizes that he's got such high-end talent that they can kind of go two periods and just hang around in a game. And then the third, it's all right, time for McDavid to score four points, right? Okay, before we go to break, I need to remind you that the two combatants for the big football game on Sunday, February 11th, are set Chiefs 49ers. Uh, If you would like to check it out and hang out with various Sportsnet 650 personalities, reserve your spot for the big football party at the Clayton Public House today. Visit theclaytonpub.com. Clayton Public House, good food, good people, good times. We got to get out of here for today, but we will be back tomorrow. Signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.